Hi, this is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about unarmed combat and other types of non-lethal combat. Maybe you're more into pummeling, or grappling, or overbearing, or tripping, or disarming, or vanquishing, or subduing, or what's what's your favorite option? We'll talk about that on the show today on Wandering DMs. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, what a lot of uh, terms there are for it. Huh? We were just trying to find a reference in 5th edition, and I was like, should we, am I looking up some dual, non-lethal? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what word do we use to describe this? Yeah. yeah. Good point. It's, it's funny that, um, you know, I guess I should mention why it's been on our minds lately. It's come, it's come up on our discussions the last couple of weeks. We had a discussion a while back on uh, sweep attacks. And the crazy thing is that uh, the original D&D fac, uh, with its example of combat, somehow just assumes you're going into unarmed combat where it wasn't actually in the rules in the first place uh, where it came up. And then last week when we were talking with Peter Biebergall about his Appendix N anthology, he was mentioning the Paul Anderson story, uh, The Tale of Hauk, uh, in which a Viking has his family cursed with undeath and of course the undead are not affected by steel or normal weapons and his only option winds up being grappling his undead father to the death uh and it's a terrifying terrifying story which got stuck in our heads Hmm. so maybe cases like that you're going to have to resort to unarmed or non-lethal combat uh in your dnd games and of course, it's a you know it's a bit of a corner case. Uh, D&D, of course, comes out of war gaming and original chainmail. You assume that uh, everything's a fight to the death, mm-hmm. and it's not really a core part of the system. And as a result, edition after edition kind of went in a lot of different directions about how they're going to handle unarmed combat. And it's kind of an interesting, interesting you know one of those corner cases where a whole lot of different stuff happened over the editions. Interesting. Uh, the, the angle that I keep having come up in my game stand is not necessarily unarmed but in non-lethal or subdual or whatever you want to call it basically uh, i want to do the thing that happens in every movie where i take my sword and i slam the pummel into the back of the guy's head and he not and he passes out right so i want to capture this person i want to you know i don't want them to die i want them to be my prisoner uh, but i want them to be at my total mercy um and the interesting thing i find about that the the big picture question that always the, the conflict i see that comes up Right is that on the one hand, in the in the in the movies or even in the literature, in our appendix N examples, I'm sure there are lots of examples of exactly that happening. And yet, on the re, the 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 simulating reality side, everything I've heard is that it's in fact really difficult to actually make that happen. That more than likely you're accidentally going to kill the person rather than actually knock them out. That's a great point. That's a great point, Paul. And I I see those movies. And it's totally a trope that you can A, consistently, B, fairly easily, uh, C, dependably, hit somebody on the head and knock them out when you want with usually like one hit. And I got to, that's a great point because every time I see that, I do think uh, you're either going to be there for a while or you're, you're accidentally going to kill them. And this yeah. one hit, knock them down for a couple minutes and then they don't have lasting injuries you're right. It is kind of it is kind of unbelievable unless you're you know doing a suspension of disbelief moment, which you know might be fine in D and D. The thing for right, me, it is kind of unbelievable. the thing for me that that really uh, the conflict for me that really comes up is sort of like a variation of the golden rule, right? The the sort of like we're trying to simulate reality as much as we can, except when it impacts gameplay, right? But in this case, are we? Is it reality what we want to simulate? Like uh, looking back at our just past discussion with Peter Biebergall. Um, like, is reality what we're trying to simulate? Or are we trying to simulate fiction? Are we trying to simulate, you know, are we trying to recreate what we see in in books and movies and other things that inspire us, which is frankly not always really rooted in reality? 
Well, it's a great question. You know, of course, we were talking about that a while back with uh, John Peterson in his uh, in his uh, most recent book, where he specifically started out asking when was the first game that when was the first role playing game that intentionally simulated a story in its mechanics instead of a war game simulating reality. And, you know, when I prepped for the show today, I, I, I looked at a bunch of editions of D&D for Unarmed Combat and one other game, namely Merle Rasmussen's Top Secret, which had a, 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 a wonderful, super elaborate unarmed combat system that goes on for pages and pages and pages. And that's actually also the game that uh, John pointed to as having the first store, the first really intentional story simulating mechanic hmm. in its fate or fortune points. Right. Yep. Um, you know, very early role playing game in the 70s. Um, and yeah, maybe, you know, I, I, that's a great point. Whenever I think of unarmed combat, I'm thinking about those those movie situations yep. where you want to like the thing that happens for me the most often is is a, a party member gets charmed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And everybody yep. else wants to take them out of the combat without without yeah. killing them, without killing them. Um and uh, and and you're right. I, I it, it 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 seems like the intent of everyone at the table is you ought to be able to do that, and I tend to honor that. Yeah. Uh, there's a really nice comment here from John Miller. I'm going to put up on the on the screen here. He says, "But surely there should be some chance of a non-lethal knockout in D and D." And I think there's an interesting um, a juxtaposition here between a chance of a knockout versus an intentional knockout. Right. Yeah. And, and, yes. And I was trying to think of like, are there mechanics where there's a chance of a non-lethal knockout? And I guess possibly you could argue that that is something like your Warhammer style fate points, mm-hmm. right? Where you should have been dead, but no, I spend this point to not be dead, and now I have to invent a reason, and maybe that reason is uh, they left you for dead, but really you survived, and you, right? You, you, or they knocked you out and they took you prisoner, or something along that lines, right? Um, which is right. really not like a. That's not a an attacker originating concept, right? It's not the person who was set out to knock you out. You are knocked out because of, uh, um, you know, because we're just being inventive about how it is that your character is still alive when they should be dead. Um, on the other hand, like the intentional one, you're, you're right. I see that all the time. Like you said, with, with charm victims, I also see it with NPCs where the players are like, this is an important NPC that we need to talk to, but but they're they're attacking us, right? So right. how do we disable them? Um, and I think usually, like my instinct for that is like, well, then you want to you want to land on either a, um, you know, some kind of magical means, like you know, your own charm spell, or or something, or a whole person, or something to paralyze them, or, or, or prevent them from attacking, so that you can tie them up or what have you. Right. Um, right. B, you know. Maybe actually physically restrain them, right? Like, like I'm not, I'm attacking yes. them, you know. You know, I'm gonna literally, I'm gonna literally bear hug this person, and the other guy's gonna run around with a rope and tie them up, you know. Right. You know, or then you know, see the 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 classic movie, knock to the head. I'm gonna sneak right. up behind them, knock them in the head. They're gonna go out like a light. Uh, and it's that last one that's like, mm, really, <laughs> you know. Especially then, and- the mechanics sometimes get in the way of that last one because then players are like, right. well, usually the mechanics, and we can, I think we're gonna. I think we're going to dig into this, right? Usually the mechanics right. involve, you know, we get into hit points, and the player's like, oh, I have to do a certain amount of hit points of dual damage. Well, uh, my weapon does a lot more da- damage, bigger dice than my fists, so can I do some dual damage with my sword? <laughs> Which definitely gets into the realm of, like, really? Like, how does that work here? What are you it's doing? a great point, yeah. and you know, looking through the um, you know looking through the D and D books, um, I was a little bit surprised that the vast majority of the time there isn't any rule for an accidental knockout from like a normal blow. Yeah. Uh, Despero BB in the chat is reminding us, and I actually I thank you for reminding me about this because I I wouldn't have thought of it right now. Is that specifically the second edition AD and D? system had a uh, percentage chance for a knockout from yep. punching wrestling yep. um and that's rare that's that's not in most editions of dnd it seems like maybe a complication that they didn't want to have most of the time yeah. it, oh, again even there only for punching and wrestling you know not you'd, you'd think hitting someone with a mace on the head would I at least have a chance like if you can punch somebody out you'd think hitting somebody with a mace could do that and that's never to my knowledge, been part of uh, the D and D rule system. Dan, I'm looking for my I'm looking for my second edition of Warhammer Fantasy 
book and it's not there on the shelf behind me. But I believe well, that systems that have like a, a, a critical injury kind of rule yeah. will also often have yeah. things where a possible right. result is is knockout. Right. Um, and interestingly, I know about this specifically because I, I, I dug very heavily into critical hits in 4th edition Warhammer Fantasy, which are mm -hmm. interestingly different than 2nd edition. I think there's a whole article about it on my blog. Um, but basically, the, the gist of what I came away with, the, the concept in 4th edition, in 2nd edition you had these critical hits where you would whittle down their hit points, and then you would get into critical hit land, and you're trying to deal some kind of critical injury that is going to kill them, and that's the only way to actually kill someone, is to, is to get them into some horrible, horrible critical injury that's, that, that deals death. Uh, whereas in 4th edition, I felt like the gist was that very quickly the player was going to have a condition placed on them that was... I, can't, I think they maybe called it prone or, or something like that or knocked down or whatever it was, mm -hmm. um, which was really fascinating because then they got to that point of like the characters, it's not even clear, frankly, if they're knocked out or not, but they're just so grievously injured they can't continue to fight. Gotcha. So they're, they're down gotcha. on the ground. They're not a combatant anymore. Are they conscious or not? Maybe. Depends. And then at that point, like now we can start doing horrible injuries to each other. Um, gotcha. Which is really fascinating. Actually, I kind of, I almost kind of like that idea of a combat system where the exit is you are so grievously win injured you can't fight anymore, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're dead, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're even unconscious. It's just it hurts too bad to fight. <laughs> it's definitely a detail that you know evolved over over the years because, of course, in um, you know the way that D and D came, I mean, originally in Chainmail there was just one roll and you were either live or dead. Yeah, it's yeah. like here's a guy, and you're either alive or dead. Is where it started from, and uh, a lot of us are told that Arneson instituted the first idea of hit points, is that you could you could suffer a hit and not be dead. Crazy, crazy concept, but apparently someone's character, you know, died from the one roll, and they were unhappy about it. And now we have this idea of hit points, right? right and right. you know, even then, you when you ran out of hit points, you were just dead, presumably being chopped up by axes and swords and claws and stuff like that. Yep. And at a later date, there was the idea of hitting zero hit points and not being dead first as an option, and later later as a core rule. Um, so as it, kind of as the game gets more granular, that moment becomes a little bit more obvious that you should be able to... It, it should kind of make sense that you can be down but not dead. Hmm. Um, and it seems like, you know, it seems like it's both, that, that's one that hits me on both buttons. If it seems like... A simulation of reality, that's a thing that happens, and it's kind of good gaming to give people an opportunity to come back. So I feel like having that, it, my, my house rules for original D&D, that's one of the things I add. You go down to zero hit points, and you still get a saving throw versus death, and at least, and if you make that, then you're just you're just down and unconscious, um, which is not something that was an original D&D yeah. originally, but... Um, yeah. yeah, likewise, I, I have my own, my own critical injury system that I use um, where... When you get to zero, you're going to take some horrible injury. It might be death because right. it could, there's decapitations on that chart. But, um, right. you know, but it might not be. And I like that moment for players, that decision moment of like, oh, I'm in trouble. I've, I'm, I've, I've got a broken rib or I've, you know, got a, you know, my, my leg has been severed, right? Whatever it is, <laughs> something right. where they go, mm, I should maybe not be fighting anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, I like right. that point in the combat. Uh, where do you land, Dan, though, on the very cinematic, I sneak up behind the guard and I clock him on the back of the head and he's unconscious now? That's a great question. That, you know, that is something that has just not not popped up in my games mm. uh, recently. Um, I would, you know, I, I think it would be, for me, it would just be a normal back attack. So you'd get a bonus to hit yeah. if you're a thief. Um and you want him to be unconscious. Right, right. I mean, that's a classic movie trope, right? I put him in the sleeper yeah. hold, or I, yeah. or I use my blackjack to yeah. knock him in the back of the head. Yeah. Unconscious. Great question. Okay, right this sec. Oh, you know, I haven't. that hasn't happened for me. No player has asked for that in years. Okay. Um, we tend to have pretty bloodthirsty games, honestly. Yeah. So they, they, my players would rather have them down. I think that I would go for... Like maybe you're a thief, you get a back attack, and I apply the damage probably, and I'd say this is subdual damage. I would, and I if would, you manage to wipe yeah. their hit points out, they're unconscious. Okay, okay. Right this second, I'm making that up. Yeah, 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 
Interesting. So what does that mean, subdual damage? Are you keeping separate counters? Hit points of subdual. Uh, right? You the, hurt me, that, Paul. You're that was the third edition version, right? Pain. Wasn't there like, like there's subdual damage and real damage? And, yeah. It is, yeah. uh, I, I think that the first, I think, okay, you know, we need to talk about this. Yeah, okay, okay. We, okay, need, we need to talk about this because yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. DNA has yeah, been yeah, virally yeah, in there for yeah, a long yeah. time. So I, will, I will say, that, uh, for me, it's yeah. always more nuanced than this. It's never like, oh, I sneak up behind, right. it's one person sneaking up behind the guard oh, and knock it out. No, there's a fight with three players and two bad guys, yeah. and one of the players right. is like, no, we have to knock him out. Can I do subdual damage? <laughs> the other players are like, kill him, kill him, right? And it's like, what is happening? All kinds of cut damage are happening to the same poor individual, and I need to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So it's always messier. It's always That's, messier than yeah, that nice, clean exactly, vision right. I just set for you. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm always looking for the nice, the nice mechanical rules, and then one of you people come in and you mess it all up for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. Every time. Every so, time. So let's go through so, the, the. You want to go through the additions okay. and talk about how they did it? So yeah, yeah. So so the, and and the great thing is that Stephen uh, in our chat just a couple minutes ago reminded us of something, and it's great because before I did the research for this, my my initial take was going to be. Chainmail, right? Pre D and D, Chainmail has no concept of unarmed or non-lethal combat. Uh, it's you've got axes and swords, and it's a war game, and you're going to kill people, and there's just no concept there in Chainmail. And then I think for both me uh, earlier today and Stephen, it, it dawned on me that there is a little thing. There's a tiny little thing that counts as uh, non. There's one single non-lethal combat option. If you pull up the first image, there we'll see what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there's this paragraph here in the chainmail man-to-man combat section, and it's titled "Mounted Men." And the primary thing there is that it's an option for people fighting someone on a horse to say, "Roll the die, get a successful result," and okay. Instead of killing them, which would be the normal option, decide to unhorse them, decide to tip them off their horse and have them sprawl mm-hmm. to the ground. And you get a little table here whereby they get stunned for maybe zero or one or three turns based on a die. And we're going to see that as a common trope that Gygax uses over and over again is that if you're going to go for non lethal combat, he frequently knits in this you've been stunned for a couple of rounds. And for, for him, that's a, that's a key part of non-lethal combat. So thanks to Stephen for reminding us about that. But here's the great thing that I realized this morning. Mm-hmm. The first printing of Chainmail didn't have this paragraph or table. Fascinating. This was at, yeah, right? This was added between the second and third editions of Chainmail. Mm-hmm. So it seems like at some point, someone was having their man-to-man combat and one of the players said, I don't want to kill that guy. I want to flip him off his horse and stun him just long enough that maybe we can tie him up is, is what I feel like. And Gygax added this paragraph and a new table specifically to permit that. Yep, yep. That seems about the the, yep. the normal way rules got uh, uh, right? added. Yep. Yeah, Does this does not appear in second edition, but it does appear in third edition. And you want more rules, you get more tables. Mm-hmm. You kind of see that a little bit. Uh, you want non-lethal combat. There's going to be stunning as, as a part of that. And so I feel like that's a real interesting thing that was not perceived as something necessary to begin with. And apparently as part of play, it came up and we had to come up with something like that. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Thanks to Stephen for reminding yeah, us about yeah, that. But, yeah. uh, and the funny thing is, of course, in, in exactly none of our examples that we just discussed did we actually talk about I'm on a horse and I want right. to unseat my opponent. Uh, right. It sounds like you're bordering into like, well, do you want to play the jousting rules? Is that what we're after? Uh, but that's a whole other discussion. Well, that's the <laughs> other thing is there is that it ran in the page after that, you've got the jousting rules, which is we're fighting, but we're not trying to kill each other. I'm not going to talk about that too much because it doesn't mechanically interface with D and D really. Anyway, it's a mm-hmm. totally separate subsystem with of course the big matrix uh, but you know, technically, that's you know, people fighting without killing each other, so that could be an option. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Great. Um, where should we go? Oh, Stephen Wendell has given us a great example of a of a of a module entered rule. I don't know if this is on your. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this one's already on your radar or not, but it's too good, I think, for me to not bring up. So I'm going to put it up there. X two boxing and castle Amber's grand salon. 
Anytime yeah. a combatant uh, strikes for the maximum amount of damage possible, there's a 5% chance one on a d20 that he'll knock his opponent out. Fascinating. Nice. Oh, I gotta nice. love those yeah. rules that are like yeah. snuck in there yeah. into his by a, by a specific yeah. module. That's brilliant. You know, that's a great that's a great example because there is a specific encounter there in Castle Amber, right? With yeah. with a some kind of special monster that's a humanoid that that boxes you. And now I'm thinking, of course, there's the um, there's the robot in uh, the Barrier Peaks module. There's a there's a boxing instructor robot that ro walks up to you and starts starts. Fisticuffs. Yeah, and I, so maybe someone look that up and see if there I, isn't a special rule. I mean, I likewise, be again, that's, that's my recent experience with this yeah. is uh, is running content from the enemy within, which of course there are two different cases, uh, it, it, two different cases in this series where the players are at some kind of festival. Uh, so right. viewers of Ten Dead Rats will know that uh, there was a there was a Schaffenfest happening down in Bogenhofen, and that's that's right out of uh, Shadows Over Bogenhofen. And then later in Power Behind the Throne, the players are in Middenheim, and there's a big week long festival. And in both cases, there is some kind of non lethal combat event. Uh, mm -hmm. In the first one, there's wrestling, and so you can you can there's just a it's it's a minor detail, but there is a wrestling ring, and your characters can enter the wrestling ring, and then how do we wrestle, right? And so they just they just chuck some rules in there right there in the module. Um, and then in Power Behind the Throne, there's this whole concept of the graph has a champion, and every time there's a festival, there's uh, challenges that anyone can challenge the champion to become the graph's new champion. In which case, they have one-on-one -on -one non lethal combat, and like, how do you adjudicate that? Is is in both those modules, I think, is like a little vague. <laughs> so, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And and since I'm not even using the real Warhammer rules, I had to like figure it out on the fly, <laughs> and it's it's weird. <laughs> It seems it, I have a feeling where, whereby this is a constant theme about this popping up in our games when the DMs didn't expect it a lot of the time, and then we continually have to make these ad hoc rulings over the years, and that's why these rules proliferate yeah, because yeah. They, they continually aren't part of the, the core rules, and we're constantly surprised by it. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Um, where do you want to go from here, Dan? Because my my uh, my, my uh, maybe you want to work our way up. But just before we started here, we were talking about the fifth edition one, uh, which I actually uh, I'm still kind of wrapping my brain around to decide if I love it or hate it. Let's go. Let's go yeah. briefly. Let's go briefly in order. So the next the next slide I had was uh, there's this D and D fact uh, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the strategic review issue number two, which says we're going to show you how D and D combat happens. There's one fighter, there's 10 orcs who jump him. So obviously, everybody decides to go in unarmed combat. Obviously. I guess because the orcs want to want to imprison the fighter. Okay. Um, and again, here's an ad hoc rule. I wouldn't have thought of it. It seems like it comes way out of left field, whereby everybody on both sides just does normal combat rolls. And when in an attempt to grapple, uh, again, this is, a, this is a, a context where the fighter gets sweep attacks. Mm -hmm. So the fourth level fighter against the uh, the orcs gets to roll four attacks, and however many hits you get, you're going to roll that many d sixes like it's damage. But just compare the totals, and whichever side gets the higher damage, they've got the other side pinned. Interesting, fascinating. And and if the fighter if the fighter wins, he stuns he stuns the orc. So the the particular example there that happens there at the bottom is the. The hero gets more hits, rolls more damage, and winds up stunning the orcs for a total yep. of seven turns between the, the orcs that he threw. It feels so, very, I was going to yeah. say it feels very cinematic, but it almost feels very comic book to me, right? Like I can imagine yeah. the frames of the comic book yeah. where a bunch of orcs are right. a fighter, they all jump, and there's the last frame either like their dog piled on top of him and he right. can't move, or he like, right. Rah! he does a great pose and all the orcs are flying off. Into that is exactly directions. what happens in these paragraphs. Yeah. You have you've yeah. perfectly yeah. described yeah. the exact exact action that happened that's exactly what happens here is 10 orcs all mob him yeah, yeah. and your fourth level fighter goes ha ha yeah and they're they're <laughs> sprawled on the ground and feels, stunned helplessly very comic book to me okay that's great yeah. that's great yeah. <laughs> not exactly what i would have come up with but um yeah. you know yeah yeah so you were so if you go to the next you go to the next slide we'll go into first edition yeah. ad and d well no okay 
We'll come back to this. Let's not worry about this. Let's, okay. We'll, we'll, okay. Go, we'll come right. back to that. Pushing so forward. so forward. here we are in first edition AD&D, and now you get the, the rather infamous system, and you were talking about the, um, the fairs in Bokenhofen, mm-hmm. where there's going to be some boxing and there's going to be some wrestling, and here you get these three separate, very technical subsystems that don't look anything at all like normal D&D combat, is you have these percentage-based tables and you need to you need to hit, which is a percentage thing. There's there's bonuses for armor and dexterity. And if you hit, you go to these percentage tables for the effect. And you have of the three systems, you have one for pummeling, you have one for grappling, and you one have one for overbearing, which I guess is like a like a football runover type attack. Uh, you know, it uh, kind of looks similar to what they did in Boot Hill. <clears throat> Boot Hill has these similar percentage-based results tables. Hmm. And um, so these are very detailed. Uh, I think we've had a couple of viewers in the chat say, oh, first edition had really fiddly rules, and you're right. Hmm. Um, and uh, Gygax expressed regret later. He expressed regret that this had been, someone had suggested this and this had been a moment of weakness and Wait, he'd never you, used these, do, I think. Do you know where that that is documented, that he said that? I feel like, I feel like, that's a good, that's a good, I, I, maybe a couple times. I So right, actually in the first edition supplement, Unearthed Arcana, he kind of brushes up against it when he introduces a completely different variant system for non-lethal combat. Of course, of course. So if you actually, if you go up two slides for what I have there, so there's two pages here in the first edition DMG. So um, I snipped off the, so here we are in uh, Unearthed Arcana, Mm -hmm. circa, what, 1984, 1985. And um, I snipped off the preamble. Maybe I can get back to this here. What does it say in the preamble? It says, occasions will arise in the game where a character is without normal weapons uh or uh the character may attack well i guess he doesn't say anything in that preamble but here he is completely totally overhauling the system mm-hmm. about five years later still using the same terms we still have pummeling grappling over bearing but Correct. there's totally different rules huh totally different and much okay now i say he presents an alternate system but of course he presents two <laughs> <laughs> so there's system one that we're looking at right now which is super 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 simple yeah. For example, the bottom three paragraphs, you want to pummel someone, you make an attack, and your damage will be one to two plus your strength bonus. Okay. Plus you get to stun them for one segment. Okay. One segment. That's one, one segment. tenth of a round. God, it makes me sad every right. time we have to talk about segments. I know, okay. right? <laughs> totally, right. right. Apparently it's just oh. enough to spoil a spell. Okay, yeah. so it's just yeah. it's just enough to spoil a spell. Apparently. Okay, all right. Um, and for, for grappling... Uh, if you succeed, then they are held for one round, and I guess they automatically get out after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other people have a plus two bonus to hit them. And for overbearing, they are thrown to the ground, uh, and then other people have a plus four bonus to hit them. And that's system one. Okay. Can we talk? Pretty about darn two? simple. Is this system? Two? Yeah, here's system two, and it goes for pages and pages. So <laughs> <laughs> pages and pages. Oh, right. So God. we are currently looking at the page just for pummeling. This, this whole page, which goes on for two columns, is just for pummeling, and there's different rules, and there's charts, and there's status, and there's small, and there's small versus large, and there's hard versus soft Sorry, things wait, that you're hitting with. Just, just so I'm clear, is the timeline here that he wrote the 1E edition, expressed regret, and then tried to rectify right. it by writing an even right. more complex system? Is that is that the timeline? Well, I'm there's saying? two. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that, except not not one, but rather but, two. Paul, but two. Well, that's that's <laughs> the standard in computing, right? Is that uh, you know, if if there are too many standards, you can fix it by writing another standard. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Now okay. three standards you can pick from. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, that's the stand. That's the classic XKCD joke, I believe. <laughs> um, uh, so this is the page. This is system two for pummeling, and if you go forward a page, you'll see the page for grappling. Uh, so this page is mostly about grappling. Okay, the first column is grappling. The second column is overbearing. And again, there's matrices. The, the, the matrices are not as big as in the DMG. Okay, so so for, I would argue that these this counts as simpler. Okay, okay. I'm still I'm still trying to force my brain to accept that overbearing is a thing. What is overbearing? 
pummeling, okay, I'm just, yeah. I'm just punching. And grappling, I'm going to like, try to hold you down. And overbearing is... Like, just knock you down? Like, a, okay. like, a, like a tackle? Me, okay, like, here's what, a, what the hell is overbearing? Here, let, me, let me tell you honestly my, my conception yeah. of overbearing. Okay, so yeah. back in junior high school, okay, in, the, in, in, in Maine, in December... Uh, my, my, my buddies and me and my cousins, we went out to a, an unused field and we played, we played tackle football with no protective equipment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And my, my cousin, who, who is significantly larger than me, um, got the ball and he started running down the field. <clears throat> and um, much later, I had an instructor who said, Dan, you must be Irish because you always lead with your face. Um, <laughs> And so I, I, I went at my I went at my cousin yeah. in a foolhardy fashion and just threw my body at, at him mm-hmm. and he j- he just ran me over <laughs> he just he just freight trained me over okay. and uh, I was uh, thrown to the ground and uh, uh, broke my arm and um, couldn't couldn't get up and so that's that's honestly my mental mod that's and so mod all of us anyway. The ground was frozen, yeah, right? Yeah, the ground was yeah. totally frozen and hard and had no give to it. And we all showed up at back at school the next day. And one of us had an eye patch and my arm was in a sling. <laughs> and uh, somebody had a crutch. Oh, and my we, God. Oh, we, my God. And we didn't do that again. <laughs> okay. Okay. So basically just So my, my conception is, is, a, is a football type just yeah. run somebody over. Yeah trampling damage as it were yeah a trample yeah <laughs> great okay. okay and and usually that's the effect is you've thrown someone prone to the ground okay what's your uh i so i've, I've clearly never used any of these rules never even read these rules what? Uh, really yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure it, I'm, i own the books so i'm sure that i flipped through it really and, and what are we in here appendix Q is that what that's telling me? Appendix. Q? That was Appendix Q. Yeah, Appendix Q has the pummeling, grappling, uh, overbearing. But there's more pummel. Wait, can, wait. You, can I just you say, like if you got no, to the letter Q, no, no, you maybe have no, no, too many appendices. No, no, no. <laughs> no, there's more pummel. If you go to the next slide, you'll be seeing Appendix R, which oh, has more non-lethal combat options. Oh. Please just go. Okay, so here we are in Appendix R, and it's actually more non-lethal combat where you have. The rules for subduing and vanquishing and disarming, which are totally totally separate from Appendix Q, which is the unarmed combat. This is the non-lethal combat. Let's be very clear that those are different. In first edition AD and D Unearth Arcana so Appendices Q and R by Gary Guidance. Oh okay. Okay. Nineteen eighty five. Yep. Yep. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. You ever use these rules, Dan? I feel like I, I I feel like I must have tried once uh, <laughs> or said I was going to, and I don't. I remember very little of them, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I'm, I've I've read them. I've, I'm sure at one point in my my I, my OCD was strong, and I I would claim I was going to do that, and I don't remember. I, they didn't come up enough, right? They're not. I feel like they're. I mean, you know, they're interesting and they're important when they come up, but they don't yeah. come up enough. So I don't. Right. I don't remember right. these. Right. Mechanics. Yeah. I feel like if if I was playing these, if I was playing first edition, I had these books on hand. That maybe possibly a situation could have come up where I flipped open. Oh, there's rules for this. Flipped open the book. Flipped to the section. Right. Went, oh, right. We're in the middle of a session. I do not have time to right. read six pages. Right. I'll just make something up. Right. Right. And one of these things, right. So when I was, you know, when I was a teenage boy, right, I would see these systems and I would get excited about the opportunity to learn and to master a new subsystem. It it, it seemed to promise detail. It seemed to promise, you know, an an accurate simulation. If someone went through all this trouble, I go into it just assuming that it's going to be additional, uh, you know, realism. Um, But now I got to admit, I see that quite frequently that promise doesn't actually wind up holding. Um, uh, frequently they weren't super well tested. And the other thing is it doesn't play well with, with casual players. When you, as we've talked about in other episodes, when you spring a new subsystem by surprise on casual players, you know, me having read it in advance has an enormous advantage and the players are totally at sea with it, and it winds up not being a good play experience. Mm-hmm. So, whereas I, I used to be super excited by these these interesting subsystems, 
you know, I have finally resigned myself to the fact they don't work super well in play. I mean, I will even point out, you and I played together in a third edition game where we played with another player who was excited about the grappling rules and, like, dug into them and learned them all and was like, okay, I think I've mastered them and then came up with a a reason in-game to use them. So in this case, it's not the DM, right? It's a player, right? Mm -hmm. Was very excited to, like, okay, my my character's built to grapple and we're going to grapple and here we go. And even even then, with with a player originating, I've mastered this and I'm ready to go. You know, you, at most you've now engaged two people at the table. So let's assume that the DM is excited for this as well. The fact is that yeah. all the other players at the table are immediately rolling their eyes and going, "Oh, for crying out loud! Really?" We have to and you know, this? I feel like yeah, I, I feel like that's a you know, I remember that of course, and I feel like that's another case whereby the player in question hadn't mastered the grappling rules when they asked for that. So, so similar to my instinct mm-hmm. is you see this big system and we, we, and again, actually, if you flip to the next slide, Paul, you'll see that in third edition, as a matter of fact. Um, okay. Well, go another slide up. Sorry. Um, so, uh, uh, so now we're looking at third edition stuff and particularly this is the entire page. It takes, this is exactly what we at the time were looking at yep. is the third edition rules for grappling. And again, yep. It's a big, complicated system. Yep. It takes a whole page. And in fact, there's a new attack mechanic just for grappling. That's the boldface thing you see on the left column there at the moment. Is There's a, there's a special grappling attack roll, which is your normal roll, plus your strength, plus a size bonus, which doesn't resemble any other attack in the entire system. And in the um, the stat blocks in the adventure, they would have to have a specific grappling attack number mm-hmm. because it doesn't it didn't look like any other thing. So I think us and our colleague would look at this table, and initially it seems to have a lot of promise for an interesting interesting bunch of play. Um, and then it turns out that it's kind of a big pain in the butt, um, and isn't super effective it's specifically there's a there's a five-step process here in third edition you have to suffer an attack of opportunity yeah then you have to make a normal uh, attack roll just to contact the opponent then you have to make this grappling attack roll to actually get them then you need to move in you need to move and then you've actually got them in a headlock or something like that. And then, so, and then classically in the in the in the horrible uh, promotional video for fourth edition, they make fun of exactly this, right? There's that, yeah, the the, right. the the guy with the, yeah. the mysterious, possibly French, not sure accent, who tells us right. that the game has remains the same. Um, yeah, the, like the whole when they're poking fun at third edition, uh, you know, guy says, "I grapple the troll," and then they are all like, "Wait a minute, there's rules for this," and they're all flipping through their books. Wait, I got this. Okay, step one. Five steps. Ready? Step one, and, and then yeah. everyone at the table is going, "Oh no!" <laughs> it's funny. They, yeah. you know, it's fun. You know, I, and obviously, a lot of this DNA comes out of those very complicated rules we saw in first edition. First edition. Yep. Uh, sense. Sense. Original version, system one, system two, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, they kind of got they kind of got stuck on this. And it's unfortunate because we're talking about grapple here. Like you can, you. I think we can certainly debate as to whether or not it should be allowed that I can sneak up behind someone and clock them on the back of the head with the pummel of my sword and knock them out. And some people argue that's classic in the fiction, and others will say it's not realistic. But in terms of grappling, like surely I should be able to decide to tackle and hold down my opponent rather than than kill them, right? Like that should be an option. People can do that. I'm gonna tackle, hold. Hey, friends, come with the rope. Tie down this squirming person. Um, there should be agreed, and of course yeah. it's right. And of course it's it's it happens in Paul Anderson's Tale of Hauk, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the thing that seems reasonable. You wind up in a festival like at uh, like in Bogenhofen. You're talking Greek sports like Pankratian. Um, you're talking about Hercules yeah. wrestling the Nemean lion. Well, that's, it's, it's, that's, it's almost the first thing. That's my favorite part, right? Is that I, right. I, of course, am assuming human versus human, and then you just introduce fantasy components here. Yeah. And as as William right. tells us, sometimes a halfling yeah. wants to headlock a hydra, and you need a rule for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how quickly it becomes so. Well, third edition is here with its size bonuses. <laughs> third edition oh, is God. ready to ready to serve it. You know, as a, as a little side point, actually, and I I didn't I didn't look it up, but uh, in the third edition era, of course, there was the big explosion of uh, indie D twenty publishing, and I did participate just a tiny little bit 
in a, uh, a product called uh, Fairs, Tur Fairs Tournaments and Taverns uh, that I think was part of EN World Publishing, where I think I, for third edition, kind of rolled out more uh, options for competing in events at a, at a, at a fair, including wrestling and pancratian and archery and jousting and stuff like that so it's certainly on my mind that i want to see that in my games um and uh, i think i think in the third edition era when i was dming i think i, I had a rules binder uh, for as the dm and i think i had a photocopy of the page we're looking at i needed an extra page just for grappling when it showed up because i could not remember it on the fly wild like i would like to yeah yeah Whew. Uh, so actually, yeah. so so interestingly, if you flip, so the next, if yep. you go two slides up, I've got the fifth edition oh. thing. So here, oh. this is, it's actually more grappling rules on this yeah, page. It goes on sorry, for more than one page. So here's fifth edition. I'll just jump up to fifth edition. Now, interestingly, and I and I just learned this to, for, to get ready for the show. Interestingly, fifth edition basically just has grappling. Uh, there isn't a punching option. Um, they, they, they just have grappling. And it, I got to admit, it's much simpler than um, than the prior rules that we were looking at. Third edition is um, uh, grappling. You grab someone, and basically, it's just opposed strength checks. All right, there you go. Make a, you can make opposed strength athletics check, basically, and then you've got the person grappled, I, and they can't move. I got to say, I appreciate the simplicity. Um, yeah. And then, and then I also want to point out, we don't have a slide for this, but um, we were talking about non-lethal damage or knocking someone out and i had to go dig through my player's handbook which i have have here on me um and there's a rule for that as well and i was not aware of this and this one again incredibly simple of just uh, uh when an attacker reduces a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack the attacker can knock the creature out the attacker can make this choice the instant the damage is dealt the creature falls unconscious and is stable so there's a rule for kind of non-lethal or or knockout right. damage and the rule is simply the moment you hit somebody and knock them to zero, you can at that point go, yeah, but it was non-lethal. And and they fall unconscious instead of going into death stage, presumably. It's an interesting option. Like, I wouldn't have thought of that in my own games. Uh, it kind of feels like if you look back at the original chain mail, right? That mm -hmm. was, you had an option against, against someone on a horse where you'd normally kill them. You can say, I tip them off the horse instead. So that DNA seems to be kind of running through our games. Now, I got to admit, we were looking at 5th edition and Desperal in the chat is saying that in 5th edition, punching does one damage plus strength modifier. And I was unable to find that. Okay. So I'm not the biggest 5th edition expert. Yeah. Uh, I was unable to find that in the books this morning. Um, and maybe you can tell us where that is in the 5th edition books. That would be helpful. Now, here's, here's the other the thing. thing is maybe... When you get a chance, Sorry. Paul, you can pull up Eric's uh, Eric's question. Look uh, three uh, back there. Da, 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 da. Yep, yep. Eric, Eric is asking us: Were there any grappling checks on the big bed? Were there any grappling checks on the big bed? I don't remember. Dan, As either. you can tell from our discomfort with the fifth edition rules, I don't think that did happen. Yeah, I don't think it ever happened. <laughs> Great question. Interesting. Yeah, it must not. Have, just guess. It just never came up, right? I guess yeah. it just never came up. None yeah. of the characters were built for it. Uh, none of the players found a reason to do it. Right. Um, interesting. So here's the thing. Uh, what, what The thought that comes to my mind as we look at the 5th edition rules, I appreciate the simplicity. I like that very much. But it brings up the ultimate question of what are hit points, right? If I can decide on the final hit that now I've... I've Oh, I've dropped you to zero. It was non-lethal. I just knocked you out. Again, I'm immediately thinking of the situation that happens time and time again in my games where multiple players are attacking a single target. They're using full-on attacks. They're slicing mm -hmm. with swords, chopping with axes, whittling down the hit points. And then you're going to tell me in that last final hit, ho ho, no, that, was, that one was non-lethal. Now they're knocked out. Well, what's been happening to them all up until this point? As we've whittled down their hit points, is it, are they just getting tired Am, am I like chopping and cutting? They're bleeding. Like what? What do hit points actually even represent? And does it make sense that this final special hit was the thing that caused them to pass out? I I agree with you, and I think that you know that's I'm going to guess that that might be a little bit more troubling for you and me, Paul, because we kind of have a little bit of an old school sensibility, and and I I feel that that has evolved over the years. Hmm. For me early on every hit 
draws some amount of blood. Right. Every hit is some kind of some kind of cut or blow that's actually a bruise. Yep. Um, and I think that probably people that just pick up the fifth edition books could be very prone to say you're just getting tired. Yeah. And unable to avoid blows of the attacker's choice. And that would make sense because you can take a you can just take a rest and you get your win back, you get hit points back, which was not at all a thing in classic D and D. Um, so maybe that makes a little bit more sense in the fifth edition sensibility. And it and I agree it makes very little sense with an old school sensibility where you actually are getting cut up at least a little bit all the time. Hmm. 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 Um yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, you have to definitely... In the weapons table. <laughs> Both, I'm no, being, so I'm being, we're being told that it's in the it's unarmed strike is in the weapons table. Now, I got to say, you know, I'm going to have a little bit of a critique about how the 5th edition book is actually structured, honestly. Because you have the, um, you have the non-lethal, you know, combat options in one area namely grappling and there's also a there's also a push attack where you can you can either push someone back five feet or knock them down mm -hmm. which is basically like overbearing again same mechanic but then the effect of grappling is over in the appendix of effects but then the option to knock somebody out is in a different location but then apparently the unarmed strike is over in the this is this is, this is this is classic 5e critique right of like it's, really? it's broken down and separated so much that every every time you want to look something huh. up, you're page flipping between six different references to try and find whoa this this uh, applies this condition oh, i thought they'd figured the this i thought at this point they had figured this out honestly because people well, complain about the organization it, in original dnd i thought makes, they i thought they'd solve this problem i mean it, it, the way it's organized makes sense when you're not using this thing and instead you're using a, some kind of digital resource you're wrong. Right, You're right. It's in the click, weapons click, 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 table. Click. Yeah, but it's not a weapon. <laughs> thank you so much, Despero. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anyway. text on it? Crazy. Yeah, interesting. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's. I think it's. Uh, sorry to get back to the original or, or an original. What we were talking about of sort of like what do what do hit points represent? Um, I'll tell you what my take on this these days is. When I'm running a game, is usually when someone asks me, "Can I just knock them out? Can I do non-lethal damage?" My answer is no. No, you can't. You can, okay. Okay. You can hope okay. for an accidental okay. knockout. Again, because I have accidental knockout in my critical effects, I say you could hope for that, but there's no guarantees, and you can't be good at it necessarily. Okay. Uh, you're just going to deal damage, and maybe they'll survive, and maybe not. Um, which, which I like. I prefer that, and maybe it's a little more grounded in reality and a less in fiction. But it doesn't mean you're out of options because there are still many ways to incapacitate incapacitate your foe without killing them. You've got magic. Uh, we can get into questions about grappling and whatnot, which, frankly, I'm probably just going to house rule on the fly and not worry about digging up specific rules for. Um, but, but generally, like, no, you're not just going to hit them with the flat of the blade. That's the, that's the always. I feel like I hear that phrase all the time, and I'm like, really? Does that is there any precedent, fiction or reality, otherwise for that? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot in D&D. So if people yeah. have been reading, you know, prior editions of D&D. There's quite a bit of that. And we can, oh, we can go back and some of, the... of hit them with the yes. flat of the blade. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I can't think of any inspirational material where that happens. Is there a technique in actual combat? Is there, a, um, you know, actual swordplay? Or is there a story you can point me at where somebody smacks somebody with a flat? Probably, right? I'm probably talking out the side of my face here and somebody's going to be like, Well, yeah, okay. Course, I mean, I agree this is... That. They're not jumping in my I head, mean, you though. mentioned you mentioned at the top hitting yeah. someone with the pommel of the sword. That one's yeah, but, that's classic. Yeah, but I, I got you know I will agree that this is a bit of a dilemma for me. Um, yeah. uh, actually, could you pick a pull up like the early slide from the so the the the, the only place that has anything like non lethal in original D and D yeah. is again a very special a very special subsystem. 
you're, the, you're not telling me which which handout you want me to show here. Oh, uh, well, it's the it's the it's the third one. It has it has like a quoted paragraph. So it has one paragraph that's kind of there you go. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Is that original D&D has a special rule just for subduing just dragons. Dragons. And, yeah. you know, it, it, supposedly in the in the in the pre-publication draft, dragons are a whole special appendix. You have the mo you have the majority of monsters and then you have a special appendix just for dragons. And there's a number of special subsystems, and one of them is a special rule for subduing dragons. Yep. And um, uh, it's not here, but other editions expand on this, like first edition and also BX. BX has some. Explain what's happening in terms of hit with the flat of the blade. And a very different rule here is you're, you're attacking, it has to be melee, hmm. no missiles, no spells, presumably. Uh, you just roll damage like normal, but it's going to be subdual damage, and at least the way it works here for dragons, every round, whatever percent of the dragon's hit points you have caused, you get that percent chance for them to surrender. So there's math involved, A. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> B, here's the first idea of these subdual hit points. You're tracking yeah. hit points, but they're not normal. they're not normal kill you hit points. And that idea gets, you know... Um, used later on, it gets used in third edition, of course. It gets used in the the unearthed, unearthed arcana um, edit to this, and it seems I think we, both both you and I, Paul, have been mystified. Like, why is there this one rule just for dragons? Yeah, um, yeah why is it so there's other places in original D and D that actually imply like you can subdue other monsters, but they never tell you how. Yeah, what is it like to this? Do a manticore for crying out loud! Come on, right? Is it the morale <laughs> rules? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But this was maintained. This is this is one of these rules that was maintained in both branches in the '80s. It's in advanced D&D. It is in BX and Moldvay. They do keep the exact same rule. Yep. And in those rules, they do actually explain hitting it with the flat blade. So I have personally been mystified by: Are you beating it up? Are you are you just convincing the dragon that you could have killed it if you wanted to, and it's in your best interest to surrender? Yeah. And I honestly have never been super clear in my head exactly what the in-game rationale is. So I'm I'm likewise troubled by what the hit of the flat of the blade is supposed to be. Are you going to knock him out, or are you just demonstrating we're, your prowess? We're, we're running low on time here, Dan. So I'm kind of curious. In your own games, what are you doing for stuff like grappling? What are you doing for stuff like uh, dealing non-lethal damage? Well, you know, following, you know, kind of kind of like 5th edition points out, the main thing that seems to be important is grappling. Yeah. Um, that has come up in my games a couple of times. So what I do for my, my OD&D ad hoc is you roll a normal attack, uh, to, to grab onto them, and then you make a then you make a pose strength checks, Jack. For like, just like just like fifth edition does, you make a pose strength checks on a d6, and if you win, you have them grapple. Yeah. Likewise, if you if you dig into the ten dead rats rules, the official PDF rules that we're using, uh, you, and you'll notice Christian does this a bunch because he has the there's a special talent called strike to stun. Which okay. Is simply, okay. You can choose instead of rolling damage that your opponent is stunned for a round. Okay. But so again, you you still have to hit in the normal way, and you just say, "Well, I, I don't do actual damage; instead, he's stunned." Okay. And the funny thing is, if you watch Ten Dead Rats, I'm always amused by this because Christian will do it, and the the target will be stunned, and none of his allies then take advantage of that. I've yet to see someone be like, "Ah, oh, really? I have a stunned oh, really? enemy." Yeah, oh, and I always really? feel bad for oh, oh. Christian. You set them oh, up. No. It's like it's like he's he's setting the ball, and no one's there to spike it. No one's ever there to spike it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have seen that in other games playing with Christian. I've been a co-player with Christian and I, or, or, or DMing him in other games. And I, unfortunately, that happens quite a bit as Christian has uh, in, intriguing, exotic plans. And then they, 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 they ricochet in an unexpected direction. <laughs> so that tends, that tends to be a thing that hits Christian, Sorry, not Christian. only in Ted Dead Rats on Monday nights. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if I were on the player's side, I would totally take advantage of this stunned enemy. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, and if somebody wanted to, uh, you know, subdue a, a dragon or a monster and uh, sell it, like was it was apparently a major, major part of, of old school play for both Gygax and Arneson. Um, you know, I think I think my instinct would be to to declare subdual damage. My my, my instinct would probably be to declare uh, you want to do that and hit him with a pommel or a mace or something like that. I would probably go for a, a subdual. 
mm-hmm. uh, mechanic. Like, I almost prefer to just leave thing. it in the realm of of um, magic, right? If you wanna, if you wanna incapacitate a foe, this is what your hold and charm spells are for. Huh. Um, okay, maybe you're gonna do the dog pile thing like that. I'm down with the dog pile thing. But if you're going to sneak up behind someone and crack them on the back of the head with the pummel of your sword, roll an attack and roll damage. They might get knocked out. Okay. They might die. Okay. We'll find out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But again, and at you, that point, I'm, I'm leaning very much on the, the, the critical injury table. The, the assumption okay. is, you know, maybe you're a thief, so it counts as a backstab. You're going to do enough damage to get them into the critical injury chart, and then we're going to roll dice and see what happens. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, we are <laughs> fascinating. So I think in, I think in conclusion, I think that we like it simple. Uh, the in, in retrospect, the 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 first edition, even third edition rules were were too complicated. We don't remember them super well. And for me, certainly, the fact that it's 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 rare enough that it has to be very 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 simple so that I remember the damn rule. And don't have to stop the game momentarily to look up the page in third edition in order to get the grapple rules right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm I'm very distracted here. I'm looking at the chat. Uh, just uh, how dare monster you. says it feels nice to be seen. Hey, Christian, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, final thoughts, Dan. Final thoughts on grappling, subduel, etc. Uh, great. You you ought to have some kind of rule because it's gonna it's gonna it's pop gonna up. You ought to, the DM ought to think about it in advance what you're happy with, yeah. Because we keep getting surprised over and over again. But it ought to be very very simple so that you know it's it's not gonna like I just said it's it's gonna happen rarely enough. The players shouldn't be super surprised by what's happening. Shouldn't be bamboozled by what's happening, yeah. and it should be simple enough that you should remember it. So you know I look at the fifth edition. Uh, if they'd organize it a little bit better, I'd be very happy with that, honestly. Oh my it's god, pretty, we're, we're siding with 5th? <laughs> Shocking. That's great. I, you but know, I agree the, with you. you know, I agree the, with you. Yeah. 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 Appar- yeah not, apparently not I am. Not a bad Come system. take my license away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. fight you. I, I would, I'll I, fight you. And I would say, Poorly, you know, based on prior experiences. When you're, when you're, um, you know, and when you're when you're thinking about it, try and think of all the, the various tropes because it's going to come a bunch of different ways. The the, the dog pile to subdue someone, yeah. the 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 mixed party where half of the party wants to subdue the target and the other half are just saying, "Nah, screw it, I'm just going to kill him." Um, the the thief sneaking up behind an enemy to just, just who just wants that one shot clock to to knock him out. Um, yeah, all, all think of all those those variations because you should be prepared for them. They're going to happen. All right, sir. Uh, folks, if you have thoughts on subduel or grappling or non-lethal or pummeling, you just you, you, are you overbearing? You really want overbearing rules? Uh, leave us some comments in the in the video here. Uh, tell us uh, what you prefer, or did we miss one? Are there uh, interesting rules? Or I guess we really focused heavily on D and I'm kind of curious at this point if yeah. there are other systems out there that take it in a totally different direction. Uh, leave us some comments. Let us know. Please do that. I had we didn't get time. I had I had some uh, slides for uh, original Top Secret, which had many, many, many interesting matrices that went on for pages and pages and pages and pages, and were so exciting at one point. And I don't think if I if I sprang it on a player, they would you know sometimes I, I would like that, but if I sprang it on a player, they would I think they would puke at me, <laughs> and right probably rightfully so. I understand. And we didn't talk about bull rush attacks, and we didn't talk about vanquishing attacks from first edition. So maybe those are your favorites, and you should tell us about those. And we would enjoy those comments, of course. Yeah. Now, if you're new to the show, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us, The Wandering DMs. We are on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook, and of course GitHub if you're a coder. Uh, we do have the handle Wandering DMs. So look for us on all those sites and follow and subscribe if you please. If you prefer to listen to this show in audio-only podcast format, uh, you can find those files on our website at wanderingdms.com. Uh, also, through various uh, carriers like uh, uh, Google Podcast and iTunes and Spotify. If you're listening to this show right now on one of those other carriers, please take a moment to rate and review us there. That helps uh, other users of that platform find us, and we very much appreciate it. We really do. Uh, thanks to all the viewers and a really, really great chat of this conversation today. Uh, you guys all uh, added to this so much. 
And of course, big thanks to the patrons uh, for the Wandering DMs who generously support the show, make all of our other projects possible. Uh, if you're in a position where you'd like to join our patrons, please do visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. You'll see our different tiers that provide you with discounts on merch, access to our private Discord server that has really fascinating conversations going all the time, monthly behind the scenes videos, polls and surveys, and also after party chat that we'll have just in a couple minutes after our show today. Uh, Paul, you have 10 Dead Rats coming up on Monday, I think? Oh, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow night, uh, 10 Dead Rats will be back in its normal time slot. It's a new time slot of 8 to 10 p.m. Come join us. Great. I think that's episode two of season four, right? Episode two of season four. And if you're new to the show, I'll point out uh, we, we kicked off the season with a recap of the previous three seasons. So if you're just wanting to catch up and join us in season four, uh, go check out that recap. You can hear us pontificate about all the things that happened in the first three seasons and get caught up and join us for the excitement of season four. I've heard a lot of great comments, actually. Some people are saying that that, that, that recap show totally um, uh, uh, fished them in to watching the show on a long-term basis now. So actually, it's a great jumping on point right now for 10 Dead Rats, Monday nights from 8 to 10. Uh, and of course, don't forget that we have our standard D&D talk show here live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we hope that you will again join us next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>